is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Oh, it's great to be back on a Monday night with you talking about things going on in the world of sports. We'll get it popping next on ESPN New York Tonight. We're 1-800-919-3776. That is the number to join us on this Monday night edition of the show. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for joining us on ESPN New York tonight, along with Nikki and Kyrie. We're rolling, talking about the world of sports. Man, it's great to be back during the week. Yesterday, of course, we had the drive, and we were talking about what a fabulous weekend of football there was. What a great weekend of football. Man, this is why the NFL is number one. But today we want to talk about the New York football giants. They're looking for a coach. And here's where I am. And I understand that fans want a different face. And I keep hearing the term, as far as the Giants are concerned, we don't want that. That's a Giants hire. Like I, uh, Folks were talking about Mike McCarthy would be a Giants-type hire. And for me, I'm old school. I'll tell you right now, I am. And to me, give me a guy that's got pedigrees of winning. Now, I know Mike McCarthy's headed to Dallas, but hear me out. For me, I want a guy who's won. I want a guy who's got a championship. You know, like with, you know, like Dave Rothenberg with DiPietro and, and Canty yelling out, I want a championship. That's what I want for my teams. I want a guy who's been there. I want a guy who knows how to win. I want a guy who can teach young kids and veterans and bring them together because of the experience that he has and win. That's what, if I were a Giant fan, which I am not, if I were a Giant fan, that's why I would want a guy like Mike McCarthy. Got a Super Bowl. Got a, got a victory. I would want a guy like Ron Rivera, who's now in Washington who got to the Super Bowl, even though he lost, he got there. Because for me, in talking to players and watching sports as I've had over the years, the toughest thing for a team to do is to learn how to win. That is the toughest thing to do. And so now, here's a scenario where the Giants are in the spot. Already they have let... Two pretty good coaches go to teams in their own division. Now, you heard Dave Gelderman on the Michael K. show last week where he indicated that, hey, listen, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to Rivera. I could, I worked with Rivera in Carolina. We didn't get a chance to work with him. And it kind of seems like the deal was done. That, you know what, um, after he left Carolina, he was going to Washington. That seemed like the deal was done. But Mike McCarthy was in your building. You had the chance to lock him up. So clearly, all roads lead to, apparently, for the Giants, Matt Rule, who's done a phenomenal job turning Baylor's program around. The young, flashy coach who served on the Giants staff, so he's got some NFL experience. But... What if he should say something that just blows up the deal? Let's take you back. 
to last season when he interviewed for the New York Jet job. And the Jets were, from what I was told, very, very interested in him being their next head coach. Very, very interested. When he said, I want to bring in my own people, I don't want to inherit anybody, I want my own coaching staff, that was one of the reasons that did not happen. So suppose something similar, even though Dave Gelderman, once again on the Michael K. show, indicated that for him, he would be willing to give up some power for the next head coach if he needed to. But let's say something happens. There's a deal breaker in there. And Matt Rule takes one of the two jobs in either Carolina or Cleveland and says, you know what? I'm going there. I've got to look at the offense. I've look at the offense I've got in Cleveland. If I can get them on track, look at what I can do there. Is that the scenario? So here's my question for you at Twitter at Hardesty ESPN or at ESPN NY 98 underscore seven FM. Here's our Twitter poll question tonight. Giant fans, now that Mike McCarthy is the head coach in Dallas, and let's say Matt Rule takes another job, who would be your choice for head coach? Would it be Jason Garrett, who's now looking for work? Would it be Don Martindale? Would it be Eric Bieniemy, Or would it be Josh McDaniel? Now, Rex Ryan was on with Canty, DiPietro and and uh, Rothenberg today and said that he had heard that McDaniel wasn't interested in the Giants job because he didn't want to work with Gettleman. This is what sources had told Rex. So I don't know what the deal is. I don't know whether that's true or not. But those are your four choices. I'm curious to see what you guys have got to say. And also you can weigh in at 1-800-919-3776. So I want to get your thoughts about that. Also, I want to get your thoughts on the New York Knicks. Because they have a situation. They've got an issue. A lot of them. (laughs) But one of the issues they have is Marcus Morris, who has been the best player on this team consistently all season. But they have a problem because, well, I'll tell you what that problem is in a minute. I'll let him share with you his feelings and how that could be a problem for the Knicks. Plus, you can weigh in on our Twitter poll question. We'll do that when we return. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. So as I mentioned, for me, if I'm the if I'm a Giants fan. I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed right now. I'm a little disappointed that I don't have Mike McCarthy. If I'm a Giants fan, just me. And once again, I understand. Oh, we want a new, we're tired of the same old guys, the retread guys. They come back around. They're the same old story. I hate those guys. I want the new fresh look. I want the fresh view of the NFL from these college guys because they have a you know they can relate to the young players all right so 
Mike McCarthy, get some younger guys on your staff that we can relate to the young players. <laughs> okay? Whatever it takes to win. For me, I think it's the combination of experience and youth coming together. But it's been my thought process and what I've heard from guys, players, is that they have more confidence in coaches who have won that they can buy into the fact that they can take them to the next level. Doesn't mean that Matt Rule, if he's the Giants head coach, can't come in and do a phenomenal job. Doesn't mean that. He may be the guy that can do that. He may be. But it's tougher. It's not the same situation as in college. You know, it's a little different. So, for me, that's what brought me to our Twitter poll question tonight. At Hardesty ESPN at ESPNNY98 underscore 7 FM. Now that Mike McCarthy is the head coach in Dallas, let's say Matt Rule takes another job because he could. Something could blow up. Who would be your next choice for head coach, Giant fans? You got Josh McDaniel from New England. How about him? Saw what he did in Denver. <laughs> Yikes. Jason Garrett. He's available. Experienced. Hadn't taken anybody to the Super Bowl. Otherwise, he'd still be in Dallas. Don Martindale. Wink. <laughs> and Eric Bieniemy, who, ladies and gentlemen, should be well-schooled in interviewing in the interviewing process right now. Because over the past couple of years, with the success of Andy Reid and what Kansas City has been able to do, he has been on a number of interviews. A number of interviews. Hasn't gotten the head coaching job yet. And it makes me wonder what – I understand the, the idea behind the Rooney Rule. I do. And it has worked to a certain extent in that it has worked where you get to interview and introduce yourself. If you're a minority, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, wide receivers coach, a position coach, a coordinator, it's in, it introduces you to other owners and GMs who can have that conversation as to show what you can bring to the table. So the spirit of it works. But let's be honest. Was Dallas really going to bring in Marvin Lewis? Come on. Come on. Was Dallas really going to bring in Marvin Lewis? Listen, he got... Cincinnati to the postseason a lot. He just couldn't get a win in the postseason. He got him there. Got him there. But really, was Dallas really going to bring in Marvin Lewis? So does the Rooney rule work partially? What needs to be, do we need to make some adjustments on it? Because, like I said, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you have to, you have to hire somebody just because you interview them. There's a number of guys who've been interviewed who hasn't been hired, who weren't a member of the Rooney Rule, who wasn't a minority candidate. I got it. I understand. But sometimes it looks like, well, since we have to interview them, let's go ahead and do it and get it out of the way. And we have to do it. Like I said, the enemy, 
he should know the interview. He should he should be teaching courses to other coaches about the interviewing process. Because there's been on a ton of them over the past couple of years. And what do we hear? Well, Andy Reid calls the plays. So, you know, maybe he's he's okay, but Andy Reid's the one's calling the plays. Okay. There's been a number of senior offensive coaches or whatever the title was who was able to get a head coaching job or a better job in the National Football League. Whether they were calling the plays or not. So we'll see what happens. Maybe Eric B. Enemy will get a head coaching job. Maybe he will. I mean, Todd Bowles was lucky. He went through the interviewing process after having some really good years defensively as the DC with the Cardinals. And he was able to get a head coaching job with the Jets. So there are times that it does work. It's just, it felt weird to me. That Marvin Lewis got a call in Dallas and come on. Marvin Lewis was not getting that job in Dallas. Stop. You guys know that. 1-800-919-3776. I said to you, and we'll get your calls in a second, because I want to bring the basketball in too, so we'll talk basketball and football tonight. Marcus Morris, listen to what he had to say about being a Nick. That was the reason why I made the decision to come here. Uh, you know, going back on the, the decisions I made, you know, along with a lot of other things. But, you know, I'm here and, you know, I enjoy the organization. I enjoy the players that got here, you know, and I want to be here long term. So he wants to stay. No, I'm in New York. And I still want to be here. You just asked me that last week. I ain't going to change, man. I'm here. I'm here to, you know. I love our team, you know. I love our future. I just want to be a part of, you know, helping these young guys grow and, you know, grow into the great players they're going to be. There are people in the Nick organization who want Marcus Morris to stay, who thinks that he's the, one of the veterans that you can have that has a positive influence on these young kids. You know, the RJ Barrett's, the, you know, the Nilakinas, the Triers, the Robinsons. They want him to stay here. Then there's another group of Knicks, according to published reports and broadcast reports, that say, uh, trade deadline's February 6th. See ya! Which would you do? I tell you what I would do. It's not even a question. There's not even a question what I would do. I'll share that with you next and take your phone calls as well. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. If I'm in the Nick front office and I'm trying to figure out where we're going, yeah, got Marcus Morris. Also, I'm, I'm reading broadcast reports that teams are interested in Bobby Portis. It's very simple. Goodbye, sir. Peace. It's out of here. Both of them. Because they are not the future of this team. Marcus Morris has been phenomenal this season. I'm telling you, he's been excellent. But 
the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is wins and losses. And if he was elevating them, if, if this was a scenario where this team was f- maybe five or six games, seven, six or seven games under 500, okay, maybe I'd consider keeping them. Maybe. But this team is not that. This team has so many more needs that if I got – now, I'm just not giving them away. Understand this now. I'm not just giving them away. It's got to be something worthwhile to me because he could – he could and, – and listen, I applaud him for wanting to be here because, listen, on a team that, 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 that begs superstars to come play for them and they won't even take an interview, sometimes they won't even talk to the team, and I've got a guy who's here who wants to stay here. Give him his credit. Give him his due. I respect him for that. I do. A lot of respect for him. And this is not personal. This is business. The business is making this team better with younger talent. And so if I can get something very, very good for Marcus Morris, I got to let him go. I'm not in a position where I'm one or two pieces away from being a champion. I'm not, that's not what this Nick team is. This Nick team is five or six guys away from being a champion. Maybe, depending on who the five or six guys are. So I got a, I got a lot to do with this Nick team. So I, and I understand the thought process of those in the garden who say keep him. He would be a nice piece to build around. He got a one-year contract. If I can get something for him from a playoff team, I'm shipping him. Love him, but I'm shipping him. Because that's where I want to build. I want to build through the draft. I want to try to get some assets to get to get better. And I realize that I'm I'm gambling. I'm real I realize that. The guys in the draft may not give me the talent that Marcus Morris has given me and the intangibles that he brings to the table. I get that. But the bottom line for me is here, I need to start a winning culture, and I can't do it with just him. I need more than that. What are your thoughts? 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to the phones. People have been holding for a while. Let's begin with John in Wappinger's Falls. John, you're batting first on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Larry. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, John. What's happening? Thanks for calling. All right. I'm just going to add one quick thing on uh, the Marcus Morris situation. Go. I, I, I kind of agree with you, um, but at some point in time, you got to have winning players here and guys that want to be here. Uh, again, I would look at if I get the right deal, then maybe. But if not, I'd keep him and try to re-sign him and build around and go from there. Uh, as far as my giant coach, yes, um, I'm kind of glad McCarthy didn't didn't come here. Okay. You know, he had his little sleepover with Jerry over the weekend and, you know, him and Marvin Lewis sung Kumbaya and all of that. And he got the Dallas job. Mm-hmm. My dark horse candidate. And I've said this to numerous people. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still holding out for Bill Belichick. I think he, the giant organization would be the only team he'd come back to coach for. Uh, he would definitely restore the giant pride, which is something that us giant fans, have longed for those days. Mm-hmm. He's never gotten out of the Bill Parcells shadow, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, at least with Giants fans. 
Um, you know, Parcells has never won without Belichick, but Belichick has won without Parcells. So then he's out of the shadow, right? But but it's always Parcells that gets the credit, Larry. Well, Anytime well, it's just like the eighty-six. Yeah, it's true, John. But but it's just like anybody with a coaching tree. I mean, you know, the he uh, look at the folks. Belichick gets credit for some people. He also gets the blame for guys who go on and don't and don't perform well, like Josh McDaniel in Denver, and well, and you I know some Belichick, of the other folks too. I think Belichick's coaching tree is really rotten. If you want my opinion, <laughs> exactly, it is. Bill, Bill Parcells' tree is a lot better. Oh, there's no question. I just think Belichick is the perfect perfect candidate for this giant team bring your son along groom him as the defensive coordinator and let's go um new england has done their their thing they're gone i think bill knows that i think he's just holding out because of the respect he has for for craft but at some point in time the giants got to get this coaching situation right they do you're right i'm not sold on that rule I'm not. I wasn't sold on any of the other candidates. Mm-hmm. McCarthy, I would have taken because of his experience. Right. But again, if we're talking about experience, Bill Belichick outranks all of them. He does. But John, and thanks for the phone call and your thoughts. I just, I, I don't see him leaving New England yet. And if he comes here, what is Dave Gellman going to do? Because <laughs> if Belichick's coming, Belichick's controlling everything. Everything from video to, you know, what size the footballs are inflated to everything. Belichick's running everything here. And I understand that's what you want. If you're a Giant fan, you would love to have him. There's there's a ton of teams in the National Football League. If he said he was available, they would run to him because, as I said, you got experience and championships with him. He's the perfect combination. But see, now, let's say they don't bring back Brady, or let's say they they move in a different direction, because you know Bill. That's why Bill was wanted to have Joey G, Jimmy G, up in New England before, uh, you know, he sensed Brady was going to be Old Man River. Because he understands. He gets rid of players a year or two before. That's his motto. They could still play, but not at that level. So you're right. If he was available, he would be the guy. There's no question about that. I'm just not sure he's going to be available. I'm just not, I don't, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Mike's in Queens. Hey, Mike, you're next on 987 ESPN. Good evening, Larry. How are you? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you? Mm. Islanders win one nothing. Makes you feel good. Uh, wow. That's uh, bad. If you if the Islanders didn't make you didn't if the Islanders only got a uh out of you, you're still struggling. Go ahead, what you got for me, Mike? Uh uh the Giants. Uh mm-hmm. I when people refer to Mike McCarthy as a retread, uh has been uh I don't know why he's had only one job and he has won a Super Bowl. Now, Marvin Lewis, uh, another guy, uh, he has a good regular season, but the postseason he never wins. Uh, that, to me, would be more of a has-been or retread. Uh, yes, you could say Mike McCarthy underachieved, 
but his one ring is still more than Marvin Lewis is still more than half the other people on, on your roster mm-hmm. coaching up candidates. So yes, one's not a lot, but it's still more than half everybody else. So I, I don't understand how we focus on him not doing enough in Green Bay, where it's where him not doing enough in Green Bay is still more than all the other candidates combined. Uh, if they get uh, the guy from Baylor, they mm-hmm. may still come out good. But uh, can you somehow call New England? Can you pry Bill Belichick uh, out of the there? Can you I don't know, can you, can you trade for him? Do you want to I don't know, can you can you trade for Bill Bill Belichick? But if you're the Giants, shake that tree. Uh, I and maybe just maybe because let's be honest, without McCarthy, if the guy from Baylor is your best candidate, then do everything you can and just. Go like Belichick does, you know. If you have to do some illegal stuff that people don't don't know about, hey, if that's what it takes to get him from there to here, why not just play like he does? Take up the page from Bill Belichick's book and just number one, just don't tape it because you'll get caught. In other words, Mike, thanks for the phone call. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. And so we got to get whatever it takes. We got to get Matt Rule, and I'm gonna. And here's the thing: Matt Rule is coming tomorrow. For the interview, if you are the Giants, you cannot let him out the building. If he is your guy, if he's your number one guy, if he's the guy that you want the most, then you can't let him leave. Because, excuse me, there's two other positions that are available. Cleveland, who has a better offense than you and Carolina who's got some issues, but they're they're you know, it's also a challenge. Plus remember giant fans, giants got to pay what nine, 10 million to Baylor because there's an out clause. And if he has to leave, you, if you want him, Matt rules, not paying that Matt rules, not paying that money to break his contract. No, he isn't. You got to pay. Oh, and by the way, you're paying Pat Trimmer three more years? Hmm. No wonder Dave Gellerman didn't get fired. Because you'd have to pay him too. So we'll let Gellerman stay and earn his money. It's a tough situation for the Giants. But once again, if in, indeed Matt Rule is your guy, that's the guy you want. You better you, you can't let him leave the building. Because Cleveland and Carolina are waiting to talk to him as well. Because of the the success he's had as being a, quote, leader of men, unquote, and rebuilding a program at Baylor that was in tough shape, no doubt about it. That's the guy you want. Better lock him up. Because that would be an epic failure. If you come back and you have to go to your third or fourth choice. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Here's how I roll. I've got a Twitter poll question for you and I got some thoughts on the next. Here's the Twitter poll question. Giant fans, now that Mike McCarthy is the head coach in Dallas, and let's say, hypothetically, Matt Rule takes another job, you know... Whether he goes to Carolina, Cleveland, or maybe he decides to stay at Baylor, where he's got a whole lot of control. 
Who would be your choice for head coach? Would it be Jason Garrett? Would it be Don, Don Martindale? Would it be Eric Bieniemy? Or would it be Josh McDaniel? Hmm. Here's some thoughts on Twitter. John Borowski of Pro Sports says you should want McDaniels because he might bring Tom Brady to the Big Apple. Hmm. My nephew, Jonathan Green, Jay Blaze, NYC, he's my nephew because he says, hey, Uncle L, happy new year. Surprise candidates for Giants if they don't get rule. Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dayball also had that had a role with the Jets, you remember. He's been the position coach, offensive coordinator in the NFL for multiple teams, worked under Belichick Saban and what has he what he's done with Allen and been in uh, college football recently, so he can relate. That's not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. <whistles> Poll results right now. Jason Garrett got fifteen percent. You giant fans, you just you just don't like him because he was with the Cowboys. Don Martindale got twenty two percent. Eric Bieniemy twenty three percent, and Josh McDaniel thirty eight percent. And I understand why you guys would take would like Josh McDaniel. I do, because you're thinking he got ranks. He's a guy that's got ranks too. But. Here's the issue I have, and you have to be careful. I mentioned to one of the callers earlier, and I get to the calls in a second, about coaches from the Belichick tree. And one of the problems with coaches from the Belichick tree, and you hear it wherever they were, wherever they go, and I saw it firsthand when Eric Mangini was here coaching the Jets, is that... They, they tend to bring Belichick's personality with them instead of their own. I could honestly say to you that during Eric Mangini's pre, and this he didn't, this he did not bring from Bill Belichick. <laughs> okay. I tell you that during Eric Mangini's, uh, press conferences where he previewed the team that his next opponent, he was outstanding. He broke everything down about what they do. It was almost like you were sitting next to him in the film room and he's telling you what he saw as it was happening. He broke down plays. He broke, not necessarily plays, but he broke down what they're good at. He broke down certain personnel. He broke down different phases. He was outstanding. But to the players who played under him, he was trying to be Bill Belichick. He didn't really care about us. That's what the players would say. There was one player who was here with him as a Jet, and he was up in New England, and he said to me, even in New England, we called him Little Bill Belichick, and I see nothing has changed since he's been here. And so what happens is you have to be yourself. You can bring some of the things that have been instituted that you saw that worked in New England. Yeah, you can bring that. Absolutely, because he's got rings. So definitely you want to bring some of those things with you. Definitely. I mean, Vrabel brought some of them. You can see when he had that masterful 
movement of the clock in the fourth quarter where he kept getting the, you know, uh, false start or the, or the, uh, you know, where he, he didn't kick and he kept getting penalized because he wasn't kicking in time. And the, and the shot, and there was a, a clock violation. The play clock ran down and he didn't punt and he was able to take two minutes off the clock in the fourth quarter. So New England wouldn't have it. That's a Belichick move if I've ever saw one. So he was able to do that. So obviously there are things that you can take from the teacher and make them your own and mold them and have them work for your staff and for your players. But a lot of the guys that leave him, that leave Belichick, they don't win. They don't. Brian Flores, I mean, he's coached, he coached better. We give him credit. But at the beginning, players were texting their agents, get me out of here. Because it is a massive shift into how you run your team and how teams are run. Look at what's going on in Detroit. They're not winning after two years. Look at Josh McDaniel in Denver. He wasn't successful. Came back. Mangini, we mentioned. Didn't do well in New York. Didn't do well in Cleveland. So part of that is because I think, just my opinion, based on what I saw every day from Eric Mangini, and that was his first coaching job. I don't know whether he changed in Cleveland or not. But here he was too much like Bill. When Eric Mangini wasn't the coach, he was great to talk to, much like Bill Belichick is when he's not in front of a podium. You talk to people that conversation with him. Look at, look at, you saw HBO? Look at Bill Belichick and, and NFL Network. Look at his conversation about the top 100 players. You're like, that's Bill, that's Bill Belichick? And the same Bill Belichick I see talking about, I'm moving on to Cincinnati. That wasn't him. He was smiling. He was engaged. Like, wow. And it's okay to be personable sometimes. And listen, I know that Parcells wasn't exactly, you know, to the media, he wasn't exactly Mr. Laughs. But to his players, they had the respect. They understood what he was, how he related to them. And they knew the game that he was playing. And up in New England, they understand what Bill Belichick is. But see, players will adjust to that because here's what they know. I got a chance to win some rings up here with Bill. If Bill wanted, Bill wanted to yell or Bill wanted to do all this stuff and we can't talk to the media and all this stuff. Okay. I got that because I, I got a chance to win a Super Bowl ring. So I'll deal with that. That's okay. But if you're Brian Flores rolling in Miami, there's no chance to win no Super Bowl ring with that team. You don't have it. You're not going to do it. Not in the first year. You have a quarterback. So you have to temper how you handle things. you got to make adjustments. And I think he did as the season went on and the team responded. And that's how you saw that they played better enough to beat. New England to put them in the position that they had to play Saturday, so they lost. That's my concern about the Belichick tree. So, yeah, Josh McDaniel, of course, if you're looking at just stats and analytics and what he's been able to do with the offense and how he's been able to, to masterful, you know, adjust the offense and bend it and shape it so that Tom Brady can still be effective, even though clearly he's not the same player he was. Yeah, he's done a fabulous job. But ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, what is this all about? 
It's about weapons. And the reason that New England, even though they were great during the regular season, the reason, one of the reasons that New England lost on Saturday was because they didn't have a lot of options to get the ball down the field. My daddy once told me, long time ago, he said, son, it's a poor mouse who has only one hole to get cheese out of. Translation. If the cheese ran out, that mouse was going to starve because he had nowhere else to go. It's about options, ladies and gentlemen. And Tom Brady had one guy that he could count on to get the ball down the field. And that was Edelman. And when they locked him up, he had no options. Wasn't no, wasn't no Gronkowski. He was too busy smashing Steve Harvey's head Legos on New Year's Eve. Oh, they could have used him yesterday, on this weekend. Oh, they missed Rob Gronkowski. They really did. Oh, boy, Josh Gordon would have looked mighty good Saturday. Didn't have him. Antonio Brown. Nowhere to be found. It's about, it's as much about players as it is about how you coach them. And while we say that Tom Brady was not the same, and listen, I'm tired of seeing New England win. I'm happy they're not. I'm happy they lost. I'm saying I'm happy they lost. But when you talk about how Tom Brady was in that game, is he the same? Absolutely not. And nobody's saying he is. But if he had a couple of receivers, you don't think with the defense only giving up the points they gave up that they could have won that game? Listen, if they had a better play call, and you can give Tennessee credit, if they had gotten in the end zone near the end of the first half, they could have won that game. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Trey is in Brooklyn, Texas. He's next on 98.7. Hey, Trey. Consigliere, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, sir. Happy New Year to you and yours. As well to you as yours, sir. Um... A bit of house cleaning real quick, Mario. Okay. About two, this, this, this is nothing. About two weeks ago, yes. you had you had a uh, we had a you had a mutual friend on. You had was that the world famous DJ Chuck Chill Out you had on your show? That's right, son. <laughs> and and it went over all the millennials' heads, didn't it? Then nobody said anything. They said, "Who's Chuck Chill Out?" Must be one Chuck of Larry Chill Out. That's one of my boys from back in the day. The legendary Chuck Chill Out. Yeah, he's still working, man. Still, still working. Man. Still killing he's, it. He's Him, in Canada. I, he's in Canada. You know what, month. Trey? I, when he calling. called, when he called, it made me reflect on my way home about some of the people I've been blessed to run into in my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, like him, like, I mean, DJ Red Alert. I mean, yes, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's like, uh, uh, it's like let the Grandmaster Flash I worked with. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trey, I did a morning show. Okay, I did a morning show with Les Brown and Gladys Knight. Wow. So it's just like I mean, it's just I I just sit back and I was like, man, I've been blessed. I mean, it's just it's, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable the people I've been exposed to. I, and, and guess, and they had a person who came in. I'm not even going to go that way. 
Trey, I have to talk to you about that off the air. Because then, then people say, like, oh, man, wow, you kidding me? Oh, Trey. Larry, we definitely got to have that conversation. Oh, my gosh. Uh, with, with this with this giant thing, Larry, yes. you know, it looked like they, you know, they 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 slow they they slow again. They in that giant way again. Yeah. And I think that they that that the, the head is so filled with helium about the giant way and giant pride, mm. and we are a first class organization, and people are going to wait for us. And they now have two problems in their own division because Rivera's going to fix the Redskins. You can be, believe that. That's going to happen. Yeah. Now, if it doesn't, then this is just a, another red skinny thing that happens. Just, you know, it just happens. But I don't think that that's going to be the way there. I think that he's going to fix that. And now you have McCarthy in Dallas that's going to create another problem. Yep. I don't know what the I don't know what the waiting game is. I don't know if Rule is – it looks like Rule is the guy. I would he say so. Like it, yeah, it looks like he's the guy. Or mm-hmm. else you would have pulled the trigger on McCarthy. You would have never let him get up out your facility. Exactly. But – but I just I just feel that the Giants need to just kind of humble themselves a little bit. You know what I mean? You know, that first-class organization thing is out the window, man. Y'all did that the day y'all did Tom Coughlin 30. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the world saw it then. Yeah. So they yeah. got a lot of PR fixing to do, Larry. It's not a good look right now for the Giants. Um, but for the Nick, your Nick, your Nick question about Marcus Morris, yeah, man, I love him. He's got to go. Hey, I love him. I follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow. Uh, I love Mook. I love his heart. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about something that we can get back for him, you know, in the, in the, you know, well, let me ask you because you, you're, you, you know, you got the pulse. What would be the thing that 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 the trade that would just blow you away and say you got to go? Would it be a two? Would it, what would it be for you? Well, listen, I, I've heard in some circles that there's a couple teams offering the one. Man, he got to go. Larry. Trey, if I'm getting the one, he out. I'm just saying. And and, and listen, here's the thing. And I understand that if it's a playoff team, the one is going to be kind of like a two. (laughs) two. I I got it. I got it. But if I can get that type of player and I, and cause I need, listen, I still got Dallas's picks. Okay. I'm looking down the line. I'm trying to build this way because I'm I'm not going through no free agent thing. If I can get a one, if I can get a one or a high two, he got to go, Trey, because, cause, you know, like I'm saying, because here's the thing. He got a one-year deal. Yeah, Trey, so, if I don't trade him and, and then let him ride out the season, I could leave him. He could go for nothing. Yeah, and then if you love New York so much, you go do what you got to do with a playoff team and come on back. Exactly. We'll work something out. You yep. got to go, fam. Yeah, you got to go. Yep. So, if they, if we get, so like you said, that one will probably be a high two, correct? Yes. More than like. Yeah. Okay. I can live with that, Larry. You I can too. Go. I can yeah, too. Larry, we're trying to build sustainable success over a period of time. And we cannot have a bunch of 28, 29-year-old forwards. That's not going to get it done. Nope. It's not going to get it done. And they can't. None of them shoot free throws, Larry. Oh, please. Not one of them. It is a joke. It's at unbelievable. Larry. They missed 13 free throws yesterday, Trey. 13. They Larry, they lost by three points. And they missed 13 free throws. I'm not a mathematician, Larry. You know what I'm saying? But it, it seems to me that you would have won the game. That Trey, you only needed to hit six of them. You could have missed seven. Oh, Larry, Larry, what's the first word in free throw? Free. Damn, man, it's free. <laughs> you, you're standing alone. There's nobody guarding you. And R.J. Barrett got to fix it because the type player he is, yeah. he gets to the basket. He's going to get a lot of and one. 
those and ones are nothing but cheap players if you don't finish the three-point play, Larry. Well, he only he missed two yesterday, play. so he was great. He only missed two. Yeah, yeah. He, was, yeah, he actually <laughs> shot good. Let me ask you one quick question. I know you got to go. Yep. What is your what is your personal ceiling for Mitchell Robinson, Larry? What is your personal ceiling? See, I think he could be really, really good. But Give me a player that you would compare him to really, really good. Give me a player. See, it's hard for me to give you a player now, Trey, and I'll tell you why. Because he's so limited offensively. He is. He's not he doing is. anything he's offensively. I mean, he right he now, right yeah. now, he is. He's not even Dwight Howard. Yeah. Because at least yeah, Dwight yeah. Howard had one low post move that he could do for a dunk. He's not even right. Dwight Howard, so it's it's hard to it's hard to give you anybody because that that's what I'm waiting for his ceiling. I'm waiting for him defensively. He's okay. Defensively, yeah. he's good. Trey, he's good. I just need he's him not- to do something other than the dunk. I know. It, it, yeah. Listen, I, I I know his 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 field goal percentage is off the charts because he's dunking he all the time. Good. He's like Tyson Chandler, man. He's exactly. Tyson he yeah, does. Very limited. He very does. Limited. I mean, listen. Mm-hmm. That's that's why. Listen. Even Shaq had a couple of low posts, but the first couple of years, what was Shaq doing? Dunking because yeah. nobody could yeah, get in his dunking. way. But and even after a while, yeah, exactly. He gave you he something. He got to do now, something he, offensively. To me, Larry, that's coaching. You got to get somebody in there to work with him. I saw yep. Ben Wallace at the facility earlier this year. What happened with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to keep bringing these guys in to help him. Yep. He needs. He needs. He needs a summer down there with Hakeem. Yes. Or something. Yeah, Sometimes he does. Coming down there in Houston would help him a lot. It would. You know what I'm it saying? It would. He's Plus, too big, and he could create a mismatch down low because there's not absolutely. a lot of that can do what he can do. No, no. And I don't need him shooting no threes or anything like that. That's no, not his game. No, no, all no, I no, want no, him to do, give me something from the free throw line and I'm good. That's all I that's need. That's, that's all I need it. from him. Listen. Simplify, his, simplify what he has. He has. He has something. You just have to simplify it and then make it easy for him. A little left hand hook down low, a little some shoulder fake, something to get the defender off the ground, and then go from there. He is a great piece of clay, man. Yep. If they don't use him right, that's, be a, messed that, up. That, that, that's franchise malpractice on them. That's you right. Got to get somebody in there to help him. Listen, got to get somebody. And, and you know where you start? Why they're winning is a point guard, Larry. There's no question. Is a point guard. That's right, but he's not a starter. No, he's not. But he, but he's the best point guard they got. Dear and God, and God. if he and if he had been playing yesterday. Trey, they might would have won that game. They would have won that game. Because Larry. down they the stretch, the when they were looking for somebody to lead them to figure out which way they could go and what shots and moving people around to make it a little easier, they had tumbleweeds rolling down the rolling down the street. They look like a, they look like lost little kids at the park, Larry. Yep. They don't have in crunch in crunch minutes when yep. they need a point like you said to settle them down. They yep. needed him yesterday to settle him down. Frank's not that guy. He's not because Frank because Frank looks nervous. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah, if your point guard is scared, what's that say for the rest of the team? But they're looking at you for leadership. Yeah, it's true. And I tell you one thing, Trey, and I got to run. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. Mitchell Robinson, look at the tapes, the video of yesterday's game on what Montrez Harold did to you. That shows you what you got to work on. Because he was a guy that had nothing he didn't have the type of offense he's got this year. He worked and worked and worked. 
And look what he did. He had 30-plus points off the bench yesterday. That's not the same Montrezl Harrell I saw last season. He took it. He rolling. Drew's in Woodbury. Hey, Drew, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Hey, Larry. How's it going, man? What's up, Drew? Good. So I just wanted to make a point in reference to the last caller on the Knicks that you had. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you happen to take a look at it, but if you look at the NBA field goal percentage leaders, mm-hmm. if you look at if you look at number one, you'll see Mitch Robinson up there. Well, that's been... that right. Yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to say I know that right now, you know, he's still in his young young stage of his career, and you know, mm-hmm. R.J. Barrett is, is the same way. Yeah, what do you what do you feel about Kevin Knox? Is that experiment got to be over? I mean, other than Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett, is the rest of this team expendable at this point? You know what, Drew? That's an interesting question. Thanks for the phone call. I, I'm I'm not sure what to make of Kevin Knox yet. I'm not sure. I mean, early in the season, he looked better. He looked like he had confidence in his jumper. He was struggling defensively and with rebounding. And now you see him recently, he looks to be better as far as rebounding. His defense is still not what it needs to be, but, you know, it's a work in progress. But his shot is not as consistent as it needs to be. So I'm not really sure where he is. And I and I just, I remember what people said about his motor in college. And I'm wondering, after the second year with this losing that he's been around, if that hasn't affected him a lot. Because you think about these young players. You think even Alonzo Trier, who's hardly playing. Dotson, who was in Houston. Not a great program, but still. And and Knox and R.J. Barrett. These guys have lost more games than they've probably lost combined in their lives. I'm talking about Biddy. I'm talking about public school, junior high school, high school, college, whatever. In the two years they've been on this team, or the one year they've been on this team, in case in the case of R.J. Barrett, they've lost more than ever. And that affects you when you've been used to winning. It's harder. As far as Mitchell Robinson is concerned, look, I'm looking. We're checking. I don't know. He might be in the top in field goal percentage, but still. The reason why he is is because he's an alley-oop king, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there comes a time when you have to graduate your game. And he needs to give me a little more. He needs to give me a little more than that. I need to have something in the paint where I can give the ball to him and he could put it on the deck or just turn and, and shoot and give me something. Now, I know he's, he's up, his, his field goal percentage, he may not be tops in the NBA. It's pretty good. Because all he does is dunk. I need, I need him to graduate. I need something else from him. I need more from that kid. He's given me a lot defensively. Here's what I need from him. Very simple. Keep your head in the game. Don't make dumb fouls. And give me a little more offense. And I'm good. You know, Larry, just for clarity, yes, we don't even have Mitchell Robinson in the top fifty here in field goal percentage. Okay, but he can dunk. We know that he don't miss many of them. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on ninety-eight point seven ESPN. 